What's up, everyone, and welcome to Hop Talk. This is a Hopped LA podcast where we sit down and talk craft beer with some of our friends and really interesting people in the local Los Angeles craft beer industry. My name is Gary. I'm the founder of Hopped LA, and I am sorry for not bringing this podcast to you more frequently. I definitely would like to and have plans to, but we're working on something really special right now. It's called the Hop Box. It's a collaboration with our friends at the Glendale Tap, and I really wanted to uh, dig into the story behind the Glendale Tap and their beer buyer, Jimmy, who we worked with on this project. The Glendale Tap, if you're not aware, is one of the coolest beer bars in Los Angeles, and Jimmy works really hard to make sure that that happens on a week-to-week basis, that he's getting beer that no one else is getting, that um, he's paying attention to some of the new up-and-coming trends and understanding what the craft beer consumer wants in 2021. I really wanted to dig into how do you get to a place like that where you're bringing in some of these rare breweries and some of these really cool stuff that no one in LA is really doing. Um, I know that it's not easy. I know that it takes hard work. He's been working with breweries, working with distributors, and buying beer for a while. So definitely wanted to dig into the story behind Jimmy's journey in craft beer and what makes the Glendale Tap so special. So we have that coming up for you in just a second. But back to the Hopbox. Uh, In case you didn't know, we recently released batch two of the Hopbox. It's on sale right now. Uh, you can go to hopdalecom slash hopbox, one word. And uh, if you don't know what that is, it is a box with eight awesome beers from eight really, really rad breweries uh, that we very carefully curate together uh, in collaboration with Jimmy for this batch. And uh, it also includes a custom piece of merchandise. It's a really cool Glendale Tap shirt designed by our friend Ryan from Design on Draft. Um, You also get access to a guided tasting video. And we're also um, offering exclusive discounts for beer purchased at the Glendale Tap on Pickup Day. So Pickup Day is Saturday, March 13th. It's where you can pick up your hot box. Uh, But don't worry, if you can't make it to the Glendale Tap that day, we are offering the box uh, for delivery to your address in Los Angeles County. Um, So just specify that at checkout and we will get that to you the week of March 15th. Uh, But we would love for you to support the Glendale Tap, support Hopped LA um, and help us keep creating independent beer content. Um, Independent beer media in L.A. is really important and it's not very easy to do. So any support that you can throw our way uh, while getting one of the coolest collections of beer that we've seen. I think it's a win-win for everyone. So head over to hopdelay.com slash hopbox, order yours right now, and enjoy this episode talking to Jimmy Smith of the Glendale Tap. Jimmy, how's it going, buddy? Good, Gary. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Hanging in there. Good to see you, man. I've had this list in my computer for like the past few years of podcasts I want to do and people I want to talk to on it. And your name has been on it for so long. And so I'm just stoked to be able to finally do this. Oh, man. Well, thank you. I don't know. I may may kill the ratings to your show here right now, like (laughs) downward spiral. (laughs) I think uh, I have a lot lot to live up to. 
be like the worst ratings ever now. Yeah, I know, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know who actually I think was the was the biggest ratings podcast we did was the two episodes we did with Rob right after State. Oh really? Ended. Yeah. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Does it give you clicks and listens or what what kind of stats does it give you? Yeah, I mean it's pretty basic, like downloads and listens. That's pretty much okay. it. Good for yeah. Rob, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was uh that was an interesting time and maybe we'll maybe we'll get into into that on 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 your end but uh before we we jump into your story and i really think that you and i know each other we've hung out a bunch of times and talked but i feel like i've never gotten like how this guy who like buys beer at the glendale tap and was the sales guy at state and ha knows all these people in beer and has gets access to all these cool beers like i have no idea like how you got there so i'm excited to dig into that before i jump into like the conversation i'm seeing you you're sipping on something i need to know like what are you drinking right now oh well it's something i just picked up from uh one of the breweries so we're gonna have in our uh hot box number two well your your clab hot box with us with no tap yeah so, since you asked kindly from homage nice i went over there last well, this past weekend and picked a few bottles up i saw the release and i'm like you know i don't live that far from homage so whenever they have a good bottle release i'll try to make it by if i can and they're using these clear bottles over there so this thing was just staring me in the face tonight it's this beautiful like you know ruby red kind of dark pink i don't say ruby red but yeah like dark pink uh saison barrel aged saison i'm like shelly let's let's crack this right now because you know yeah. i don't want to i could drink the whole thing by myself but it's something you want to share with somebody so yeah, this actually, this one's a barrel-aged saison, uh, aged on raspberries and Zinfandel grape skin. So I think it's second use in grape skin. So what they did, I, I forget which beer they used the first use, but they took their second use Zinfandel skins from another saison they did and made like a pomace with their oak fermented wild ale with the second use grape skins and aged it on raspberries for like five weeks. So <laughs> pretty complex. It's good. I love those guys, Matt and... That's a great dude, Jeremiah. They're all—I uh, love those guys over there. Yeah, it's really good. I think uh, the beer wine hybrid is a thing that we're starting to see a little bit more of, and yeah. those guys have been doing it for years now, and just been been killing it, and just doing more and more cool stuff with like beer and wine and grapes and barrels and all that fun stuff. It's different too. They have their own style over there, you know, and that's the thing with a brewery doing these kinds of beers, these uh, Oak Age Saisons or Wild Ales. It's all about like kind of their house culture and the character they've developed within their own breweries. And I, Matt's so busy all the time. I'm busy. Everybody's busy. But the times I can get over there and catch them, and just like when they're working on a project, I'll be like, hey, Jimmy, you want to try some of these, you know? I just did a skin contact on these grapes. Like as a full like oak barrel full of grapes, he's getting did a skin contact on, letting him ferment that he's gonna blend in with one of his saisons. And he's like, "Here, take some, and I'll just chew them, and they'll be like really sweet at that point." Well, you got the right beer for kind of uh, taking it slow and enjoying the moment. I'm kind of on the opposite spectrum. I'm about to crack Ooh. open uh, this West Coast IPA collab from Highland Park and Humblesea. Uh, Two Paris. others, Hot Box. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Two awesome breweries. I concur. So I'm on uh, brand here drinking the West Coast IPA. I definitely I have one at home. I gotta, I gotta. Maybe that'll be my next beer tonight. Yeah, it's really <laughs> aromatic. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy this. Cheers to you. Thanks for coming on. 
Cheers. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So I want you to take me back a little bit. For me, when I look at you, you've got these awesome wild ales from Homage and in your shop, you've got all this cool Jester King stuff. You just had side project in the house. So like all these really like artful, hard to produce beers, but then you're also like a total hophead too. And you're like, you know, the West Coast IPAs and you're getting Kern River Citra and things like that. So from you, from a personal taste standpoint, it seems like your palate is just like completely wide open and you're enjoying stuff all over the board. How did you get into beer in the early days? I mean, I grew up in like, on the central coast, <clears throat> excuse me, in the Galita, Santa Barbara area. Okay. Galita, Santa Barbara was one of the first distribution areas for Firestone because, I mean, they're right there in Paso Robles and yeah. they got it out pretty fast in that in that region. I was yeah. working at this mobile gas station and we get like, you know, you, you have the one bigger distributor that carries a couple craft brands. They carry like Sierra Nevada or Firestone. And so we get like Sierra Nevada, Pell L there, Sierra Nevada or uh, Firestone DBA. I'll go off record and I won't say I was drinking DBA at 20 years old, but now <laughs> I got my feet wet, like late teens, early twenties with craft beer. And I wasn't so much of a hophead back then, but I did actually really enjoy like maybe some maltier stuff, like, like a little more malt, less hops, like DBA or, um, or, uh, gosh, there's some others like the English brown ales, like Samuel Smith's or, or, um, I'm trying to think what else. Red hook. Or, yeah, oatmeal, oatmeal stouts, oatmeal porters, Hefeweizens. I drank, you know, when I probably like late teens, but then I totally like did a 180 and just for, you know, off and on for about, I don't know, seven or eight years just drinking hard alcohol, mm -hmm. mainstream hard alcohol and beer at going out partying and stuff like that. Probably actually my gateway beer because I remember beer. before I dove into craft beer hard in like 2008, I started drinking Fat Tire and I really liked it. I really developed this palette for like amber ales you know i was like wow i love this. this is nice like but that's kind of like that era i think you know somebody getting your feet wet back then was like amber ales and hefs and stuff now it's just like people dive straight into hazy ipas or ipas and lagers and i think from like 2006 down there i was casually drinking oh like fat tire and then kind of getting back into dba and slowly getting into Syrian nevada celebration stuff and then by like 2008 i uh guy that i worked with here in la was just hugely into craft beer he's like hey let's go out and go to 38 degrees i think because he lived in alhambra it's like the year 38 degrees open and i got into like dallas point like first i you know i get the red eye because it was more like a it was an ipa but it was old school and it drank like an amber so i kind of st stuck in my comfort zone but i worked another job where i was doing demos for like tonic water <laughs> like q tonic at just a side job on the weekends at Bev modes, right? Set up a table and demo people on the tonic water. It's like, you know, so they can mix it with their vodka tonics or whatever. Right. I'd be like, hey, there's all this good beer in there. You know, back then I thought Bevmo was like the greatest thing in the world, like in 2007, 2008 or whatever. Because I'm like, whoa, it's all just so much beer. And he's just like, he's, you know, he told me about like, I think he told well, the best IPA out there is like plenty of the elder. He's like, you're not going to find it in Bevmo though. It's really hard to find. And, I kind of just, it was one of those things where I don't know if you've ever had a friend that's been really into something, but they get you something and then you just go overhead and over heels deeper than sure. that. Yeah. And they're like, slow down, dude. You're turning this beer. <laughs> um, this is 2008. So I go to like the spots back then were Verdugo, Lupin. It's 38 degrees had just opened up. Lucky Baldwin's, obviously some of the old school ones, Father's Office. But right. uh, so I mostly spend most of my time like at Lupin, Verdugo, 38 degrees, because I kind of live in. Back then, I still even lived in like 
the Cypress Park area, like Northeast LA. Uh-huh. So none of those were like too far. Verdugo was like a mile down the street. There was no Ubers back then. I'd take cabs over there on like yeah. Friday night. Because back then those three places, their selections were just off the hook. Right. I would go to these places, but I was, you know, it was on a budget too. So I'd buy, I'd go to a lot of places like Wally's and on the West side or red carpet liquor that's no longer around in Glendale, but kind of like it used to be right by where we're pouring is. And I'd buy a lot of those all bombers back then. So I'd buy like 20 bunch of different bombers and just drink them at home on the weekend, literally sit on beer advocate for hours 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 and just like reading about styles and looking at the top 200 beers like oh how am i gonna get my hands on those or like <laughs> just reading about every beer and wanting to try every beer and i was got head over hills and russian river ballast point back then because that's when they were still like independent and sculpting yeah. like nelson was at one point you know i'll, I'll find nelson you know it's a different story now but back then it was like sculpting nelson blind pig whatever just in general right and i just self-educated myself 2009 to 2011 i was working my day job i just had really no interest in it was like i mean i built myself up and up in like sales and marketing where i was like managing accounts though you know like regional national accounts so it wasn't like i was out like selling beer i was like literally like i was sitting on the phone most of the time Right. A lot of these accounts were out of state. I was going to visit some person. I was in the office a lot. I just really wasn't passionate about that particular company I was with. Or the, it was nothing to do with beer. It was just like, it was actually like a clothing, like athletic apparel time, mm-hmm. actually. I just wasn't super passionate about it. How I got started in craft beer was one of my accounts was a one of the co-owners at Farbar. I don't know how we got started talking about beer because I was so into beer. Somehow we got started on craft beer. And he's like, after a couple of times, I think him seeing how passionate I was about beer, he's like, Hey, uh, I own this bar in Little Tokyo. It's called Far Bar. I'd never heard of it back then, like because they weren't really a craft beer bar at that point. They were more of like a late night, like Little Tokyo cocktail bar, mm-hmm. where they light the bar on fire with like blue drinks and stuff. <laughs> He's like, check it out. Look on Yelp or whatever. And I was like, holy shit, this place! Like back then, they had like really big Yelp rating a lot. It was like this underground little spot. I'm like, I gotta go check this out. Right. So I went out there and he introduced me to the other owner and. I went in the back a little, I don't know if you've ever been to Far Bar. Yeah, yeah. That little back, the Far Bar is that back bar. You know, that whole thing up front, like the Chop Suey building. It is Far Bar, but it's more like a lounge, you know, the right. whole lure of that, that little bar and patio in the back. Yeah. And uh, I saw they had, they had like 20 taps of all crowds in the back. It was like, but back then, you know, like Stone Smoke Porter, Green Flash, West Coast IPA, like mm-hmm. Allagash. And I was just like, wow, this place... Because at that point, literally finding like a good craft beer spot was at that time was like 20 solid beers. Like there wasn't that many of them. You'd either like on the west side, there was Library Ale House and in San Gabriel Valley. There was Lucky Baldwin's and then there was Hollywood Blue Palms. And Northeast L.A., you had like Verdugo Bar and Beachwood, obviously, the, the landmark Beachwood. Right. And, yeah, at that point, it was just Seal Beach. So there was like these six or seven spots spread out around that all of L.A. County. Yeah. Now it's like, what? Can't even count how many spots. But <laughs> I remember this place was like this little hidden gem. I'm like, oh shit. Like, and he's like, hey, you want to come like be our beer buyer or take over a beer pump? No experience in industry. Just I wow. was just like, nerd, like beer geek. I'm like, sure. I was like, kid in the candy store. Like, I can, I, right when I was sitting in that back little bar, I'm like, I can do a lot with this place because the vibe's cool and they already have twin like they're doing all craft in the back here anyway man especially downtown adjacent like yeah i had never really hung out in little tokyo that much i knew about little tokyo i realized it was that popping but just on the friday saturday nights there were just people walking up and down the street i was like 
And so that, yeah, I mean, I'll stop babbling, but that's how I got started in beer right there. Oh, with beer buyer at Far Bar, yeah. That is, yeah, I had no idea that you just kind of like, <laughs> kind of stumbled into it, but man, you paint this picture of like the pre-craft beer boom in Los Angeles. I grew up here, but I went down to San Diego for college and I came back in 2012. And that's when the breweries were opening and there was a, li a bit yeah. more going on. So you're painting this picture of like, it's like really romantic to me, like, you know, like nostalgic. It's like yeah. you had to work to enjoy beer back then. You know, you had to like really hunt down these places and spend time on Beer Advocate and sites like that. That's, it's so cool. I love that. I love that story. Well, it's fun too. It's like, I guess I just felt like when I found beer, it was natural to me. I think when I first started at Farbar, I wasn't just this kid who didn't have any work experience. I kind of had management experience. Yeah. I had like, basically I saw those 20 taps and I just go, okay, I'm going to take these 20 taps from left to right. I'm going to write them down. And I, I remember sitting at home one night, dividing it by style. Now it would be like 20 taps. You're going to make like, it's gonna be like 10 IPAs. But I remember back then, <laughs> like tap one, the only beer the owner wouldn't take off his Sapporo because it was such a big seller. And I was like, fuck that. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> no, we're not taking Sapporo off. Like, we'll lose so much business. So, like, you go to Farbar and they're probably still this day, the one macro tap they have is like Sapporo because they refuse to take it off because it's a little Tokyo. And so, uh, Sapporo had to be on number one. And like, number two was another, like, a craft lager. And then it was like, have wit, amber, pale ale two IPAs, a double IPA, then you go into like a brown ale and then like a Belgian triple and a quad and maybe a Belgian pale and then into like some stouts and barrel aged stuff and maybe some sours, but I kind of go from light to dark. Yeah. And you balance it out, make sure you have enough of each style. And it's easier to do with 20 taps. Like a GT, we do that, but we have so many taps, like you can order, you know, four or five of each style. But yeah. there, when it's 20 taps, you really got to balance it out. Your creativity comes with the constraint of having less taps like you can be like i only have one tap for this style like what's yeah. it gonna be it's interesting uh your journey into the hospitality industry like coming into it like later as like not an older guy like in your 30s though or like late 20s yeah, early because so many people in hospitality are like lifers you know they started when they were teenagers and just stayed in it and could, never got out and for some people that's great but other people they feel like trapped in it but you yeah. went this complete opposite way where you came in kind of in the middle and it's definitely got to shape your outlook on that type of stuff. You talked about like how your buddy got you into beer and you kind of like went into this crazy world of studying it and drinking it and finding it all about it. Is that like a personality trait that you've had in the past? Like, were you into video games or sports cards or betting or whatever sports? Like, is that like a personality trait of yours or is this like, Something where like something was unlocked within you. I think you nailed it on the head. It's a personality trait only when I really like something. Mm -hmm. Like I love football, right? Like I love, I played football in high school. Like I played one year junior college. And I love watching it. So like during an NFL season, I, I try not to work Sunday. I have an NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah, I used to collect. Like I used to, people used to <laughs> joke around because I used to collect like early 20s. Maybe I used to collect like, you know, sports cards and action figures, like sports action figures, like mm -hmm movie memorabilia movie posters and yeah if it's something i really really like sometimes somebody could be talking to me about something that they're really interested in and i try to listen i try to be a good listener but i've had to really i think work really hard on listening over the years a little more because 
if it's something I'm not engaged in or I don't enjoy, I kind of tune out. Yeah. And I've tried to get better about that over the years. So I'm really, really passionate about the things I'm really passionate about, but I don't get excited easily. Just put it that way. That has to be something I'm like, but then when I do, I go in head over heels. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. a that's a concept that a lot of people can relate to. There's certain people or there's certain things with certain people that they go like all in for. And, you know, like your story where like, I think you have to reiterate like how different craft beer was in 2008, where like it's so inaccessible that you have to work to find it, that you have to pay taxis. 70 bucks to go from, you know, Alhambra to Verdugo and, you know, all these different things where like now it's just so easy to get into. Like, it's just, it's all there. You can order it from your computer and get it shipped yeah. to your house. And there's all these websites and Instagram and untapped. And it's just like so accessible now that, you know, when it was back then, if you, want, if you got into it, you had to you had to really get into it. Like you had to really work. So I, I just find that fascinating, like that part of it. And I, that was kind of what it was like for me, but I was later on, like where it was, there were more breweries and, you know, I was in San Diego where there was like, you know, 50 breweries at the time. And, you know, it was just a little bit easier. But when I came up here to LA, I mean, I've kind of talked about the Hop Deli story to on different podcasts and videos and stuff, but like, that was it was I, was trying to find breweries and beer bars and beer advocate was around, but it, there wasn't like a really good, like I was using Yelp and Google and just trying to find places. And it was just difficult to do so. Like you could find like those eight places that were there since yeah. 2008, but like all the newer stuff that was popping up that, you know, the beer bellies of the world that were kind of just like in the middle of Koreatown that, you know, no one really knew about. And so that's kind of like where the Hop Delay thing came from. I mean, we've talked mentioned Glendale Tap a little bit. That's a place that I want to kind of transition to now because to me, like I had in those early Hop Delay days, I had heard this name Glendale Tap. I don't remember what year it was. And I'm going to have you kind of give me the backstory of Glendale Tap. I had heard of it, but I had never gone and I'd, I never went to that part of town. And so I was like, I know there's this place and it's supposed to be really cool. And then when I finally went there and it was probably like 2015, and then I was like, holy shit, this is one of the coolest beer bars in Los Angeles. And nobody other than like the hardcore beer people is really talking about this. And yeah. I think it still has a little bit of mystique in that way. I mean, more people know about it, of course. And I think there's a lot that you've done to, to change that. But I think it does have this kind of mysteriousness. So like, you know, you went from Bar Bar. How did you find Glendale Tap? And like, what's the story behind Glendale Tap? Well, yeah, that's another adventure. There were some adventures in between in uh, beer distribution. Oh, yeah. Between Bar Bar and Glendale Tap. Oh, yeah, you're so. a vegan, right? And then before that, Craft Beer Guild, which is no longer around, CBG. Right. Before that, Artist Nails, which is no longer around. So. Huh. Okay. Now that I think about it, I've been with a lot of companies that have like fallen. <laughs> 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 Not that it's just how the beer industry is. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh man. Well, GT still stands strong. You know, right. Scott's doing good. Wigan. Actually, Scott Wigan was my stone rep at Farbar. Yeah. So he used to sell me stone distribution stuff at Farbar, and then he left Stone and went to Artist Nails, which is no longer around. Artist Nails was the SoCal distributor for Craftsman, Noble Ale Works, Alpine. Noble, yeah. 
Alpine back when we just get a couple pallets of it before Green Flash bought him out. A couple of years, Arsenales, Scott Wigan actually got me the job there when he went to be the director of sales at Artisan. I was leaving Farbar and he's like, hey, I saw you have an opening there. He's like, oh, you want to come work with us? Oh, hmm. And like, you know, him and the owner back then, they, they interviewed me and brought me in. I covered like Hollywood, downtown LA, like North Hollywood, Studio City, that part of the valley. We had a lot of fun over there. A couple yeah. of years ago, then I got a job at uh, CBG, Craft Beer Guild Distributing, which now Classic just bought out a bigger distributor here in LA, bought them out. But it's been about 10 months there, and then Scott opened Wigan up, and it was just kind of natural that, you know, I went work with them over there because we had worked together. And Wigan up, it was just Eagle Rock, Mumford, and Phantom Carriage. It was three brands at the time. Hmm. I think he just brought in Sanctum, so it was just those four brands. So I don't know how long I spent, maybe maybe even under a year over there. And I, I just actually, I think the opportunity came up. State was, you know, the whole kinetic crew was going over there and mm-hmm. I had some ties with them and, and we, uh, State was looking to rebrand and restart with a whole new crew. And they, they were kind of ran Gardena at that point. Yeah. yeah. But they were just, they were already selling beer. They had a different brewer. Right. They weren't getting their beer out there that much. They were just, they were very new to it. So yeah. it was kind of like, I think it was their first year of just like getting their feet wet and, and kind of getting their beer out there on draft. But, yeah. you know, having kind of like a pseudo sales guy, but they were just, you know, they were having fun and getting started. And and uh, they got some beer out there and we'd see them at festivals and stuff. But it was just like, it was almost like a fresh brewery. They started getting some traction a little bit before any of us got over there. But, and they started getting their name out there for, you know, they had some cool loggers and stuff, but it was just kind of a natural fit. You know, it was still a new brand and they wanted a new team to come on board. And so, but at the same time, exact same time, Glendale Tap needed, you know, help with the beer program. And so I went to Glendale Tap and stayed at the same time. And, that's kind of how those those two both happened, right? Well, that's in, pretty that's interesting. Parallel, yeah, yeah, right at the same time. Glendale Tap. I wanna, I wanna uncover some of the mystery of it for me because, like, so when you got brought in, how long had Glendale Tap been around? Because, like, for me, it's one of those spots that, like, it looks like it could have been there for like forty years, or it could have been there for like just a couple years, and it was made to look like it was there for forty years. So. Like, what is this bar all about? I think it's a combination of both. So, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there. I wasn't there in the beginning. I mean, I go there. As a, I went there when it first opened because I had heard about it in 2012. As a okay, customer. so it opened in 2012. Yeah, they opened in November of 2012. So it'll be our ninth year this November. But at that point, I'd stopped in there a few times as a customer. And I was like, oh, it's a pretty cool spot. You know, it's cool. It's got this kind of like cool like down home divey film they got a great beer list so i heard the stories through you know the owner, uh, glenn of what it was pt was just a dive bar it wasn't a craft beer bar it was just a neighborhood dive bar that i think was just either going under or the owner was just looking for a quick out and just turned it into a craft beer bar and like just yeah. so all that nostalgia yeah that's actually glenn the owner's like a collection he's a collector glenn collects all this old memorabilia it just had old like bikes and helmets and motorcycle and just like car and not yeah i mean there's a car in the warehouse i don't know if you've seen there's like an old bug yeah. in a dune buggy yeah. in the warehouse <laughs> yeah for anyone who hasn't <laughs> been to glendale <laughs> it's gonna be our bottle shop soon for anyone yeah, that hasn't been there's to Herbie the love bug it, back there right now uh, it's a <laughs> unique it's a unique place that has like a so lot a of combination of it being an old building and going to town with kind of decorating it like that yeah, it's super cool. He bought it and kind of reopened up Glendale Tap in 2012. When did you 
come back come in there 2015 by early fall 2016 okay and they already had the how many taps is it 50 70 no they have 56 56 so was were the 56 was the draft towers everything was there already yeah funny it's like it's all like you know built-in draft system there's uh there's like gosh what was it, like 14 taps on the wall coming directly from the walk-in uh-huh. and then behind the bar counter area there's like 42 more and it's funny you walk in there and you look it looks like a bunch of keg raiders i, I think before i started there i thought they were keg raiders when i looked up but they're they're not it's like oh, a built-in long draw that's a draft no it's a short draw draft system oh yeah. you know behind the counter bar area there that whole long counter of yeah apps that's all a short draw draft system oh. so it's like five foot lines coming from the towers. There's separate, one regulator for each two taps. So there's like 42, there's probably like 21 regulators. And so basically every two taps are almost on like what you call a separate tower huh. coming from. So when you got into Glendale Tap, they had these 55 taps. Like I know like when you came into Far Bar, you know, the owner had been doing a little craft stuff and you were kind of like, all right, Now's my time. I'm going to design something like, so now you're going into, into Glendale tap 55 taps. Like what's your mindset going in? Like you, now you've had experience buying at Farbar. You've had experience distro at multiple companies there. So what's your mindset now going into Glendale tap with 55 taps? What were you thinking? Like, wow. I was like, shit, I hope they don't sit on stale beer over here. (laughs) (laughs) Horror stories of some bars with that many taps, you know, sitting on beer for like, not, not, I mean, like just taking two or three months to go through a keg, but that's not the case over there. Every IPA, like every lager, it's like three to seven, eight days to blow a half barrel, which is great. And even sours, I cannot believe how fast when I started, how fast this place goes through sours. Like, Go through like a good six old, like just a nice barrel aged sour ale or a, you know, burn barrel aged. That's not easy. Yeah, five not, to six days. That's not very far, common. Yeah. Like two weeks, three weeks for that. That's not I guarantee you go a lot of other places. They'll be like, oh shit, I've been sitting on this like barrel aged stout or this sour for like a month. But right. like, no, it's just because that's all you do at Glendale Tap is you come there to drink beer. I mean, now like we kind of developed this like foodie pop up following now too. But I mean, the primary, you're coming there to, yeah yeah to to drink that's awesome all right i know ads are annoying so i'm gonna make this quick but i really got to tell you guys all about the hot box i'm super excited about this box of beers uh basically we're bringing together some of the best beers from breweries in los angeles as well as a couple outside here's the list that we got so far we got citraholic super citrus from beachwood brewing we have timbo pills from Highland Park Brewery. We have Le Beer Petit with Simcoe. It's a table beer from Homage. Uh, we have Hop Saint IPA from Hop Saint Brewing. You never see cans from these guys around LA. So this is super special. Um, then we have Humble Sea Brewing. This is Triple Socks and Sandals Foggy Triple IPA. This is a special one they do just for their anniversary. Um, really stoked that we were able to get this in the box. Next, we have the Chimeret Acai Blueberry Sour from Long Beach Beer Lab. Fruited sour. All the kids love them these days. This one sounds super good. And Long Beach Beer Lab is doing some amazing things. 
Then we have a really special beer up from the Sacramento area, Moxa Brewing uh, Meeting of the Minds Hazy Double IPA. This is a three-way collab that they've been doing with their friends at Slice Beer Company and Urban Roots. Man, this is like an all-star brewery collab here. Uh, basically, each brewery brews the same recipe with Simcoe Strata and Nelson Hops, each fermented with a different yeast. So this one's going to be really, really good. And then last but not least, another L.A. brewery. This is Rolling Blackout, American Stout with Coffee and Vanilla from Mumford Brewing. They've brewed this one a couple times previously, and this is a delicious, delicious beer. Only 7.6%, so it's not going to be too crazy. Um, but this is just such a diverse collection that we collaborated with Jimmy from the Glendale Tap on and uh, very excited to bring it to you along with some custom design merch, uh, tasting video and discounts at the Glendale Tap. $99 for pickup on March 13th at the Glendale Tap or $119 for delivery to your door in Los Angeles. So head over to hopdla.com slash hopbox. That's one word. Purchase your hopbox today. All right, let's get back to the show. So yeah, so it kind of like, it had a flow going when you got there and you just kind of like stepped in and were like, all right, let me keep this going, obviously. But like now, like what's your philosophy yeah. on like curating a program of 55 taps? Like what's, what's well, your- When help? I went in there, I, I changed the- what we were selling because like beer buyer at the time was already gone by the time or the co-owner that is no longer there he was buying a lot of like more like east coast stuff like his favorite ipo was like bell's too hard which is a great beer but i mean bell's you know at that time was just coming into the to the market but he liked like maltier ipas right yeah. and then like the shoots and dogfish head and stuff that like kind of hit its like peak point in socal probably like around two 2014 and everybody wanted, you know, super dry, you know, extremely, you know, heavily dry hops, West Coast IPAs and hazy IPAs were taking off just right around then too. So I had to like change the program up and we had to get a little more modern. It looked like the program they had been running in 2012 and 2014. Yeah. We had to get it up to date 2016. That's continuously what I got to do nowadays. I mean, I've been doing it long enough where if you don't keep up with the times, customers are going to go away. Yeah. As much as they love the bar, people's palates change. Yeah. They want their old favorites and they want the standards, but they also want a lot of super exciting stuff. A lot of the places are still doing really well in LA, you know, keeping up with the times. It's just, you got to, I mean, you can't keep what was hot in 2014 as, as your primary focus, you know? Yeah. So when you went in there and kind of like modernized the program, what were your thoughts on local versus non-local then? And how has that changed to like today? I'd say my thoughts on local have always been, I love, you know, obviously I, I, us being local, I'm, you know, yeah, LA is our hometown race right? I mean, I wasn't born here. I was born in the Central Coast, but I mean, like yeah. this is our town. This is our, I want to support as many good local breweries as possible, but the beer has to be up to certain levels. There are a lot of really, really excellent breweries in LA. There are some some breweries, you know, the beer maybe just getting started or mm -hmm. um my philosophy has always been yes, I want some more support as many local breweries as I can. And all my friends and peers and and 
the ones that you see as support, it's like no brainers. Like the Mumfords, the Highland Parks, the Homages, the uh, Beachwoods, the uh, God, I don't want to miss so many other. Uh, El Segundo. Uh, it's getting to be a long list, you know, like LA's yeah. turning out some like really good breweries. And yeah, I mean, some breweries aren't meant to be on tap at every beer bar, especially some of the best beer bars in LA. Some of them are more neighborhood like spots. Monk, and, monk, but, you know, monk, yeah. of course, Monk, you know, Henry, they, they don't sell. Yeah. They don't their beer but i mean i i go to monkish good amount of time and pick up beer where right. i can i mean i i don't want to forget there's so many others that we do have on draft eagle rock craftsman the stalwarts like they're like the legend like when i went in there like you know they had already been supporting like eagle rock and craftsman uh -huh. those are breweries like eagle rock to this day still has very solid beer but what i pour from eagle rock is going to be i pour more like manifesto or when they have solidarity or for sure a lot of their specialty stuff there's, you know they'll do some fun stuff uh craftsman gosh and then you know there's there's a lot of up-and-comers too like Definitely. you know i have tried a lot of long beach beer lab stuff but i've been wanting to try more of their stuff and we're gonna have them in our box you know yeah. we're doing with you oxane you know i'll call brian brewer up a lot of times like hey you got any beer and like i guess my philosophy is you know i just like to represent good beer on our program you know so like whether it's one of my favorite breweries like in jester king in austin texas for mm -hmm. amazingly having access to you know like side project last week or whether it's like a homage or a Highland Park or Mumford or Beachwood or something like that. It's like you want to represent beer we're passionate about, and it's always going to be a good mix there. So you're for out of state stuff. It's not all these breweries are available all the time. So when I can jump on Weldworks or Jester King or a Side Project or something, I'm going to jump on that. You know, but I think the reason why I ask is because like from a consumer standpoint, and I like to, I like to think that I'm still firmly in, in that camp. I like to view this industry through that consumer lens and people think about like, okay, are, where are we going to go to get beer? Like, should we go here? Should we go here? Should we go here? And you're thinking about it in terms of like, what are you going to get? And I know if I'm going to go here, these guys are like, all they do is local. And so some of them might be really good and some of them might, might not be very good, but we know that they're all like LA. And then this yeah. other place maybe looks more like GT in 2012, where it has that kind of older thing where maybe you can tell that all they do is rely on stone distribution or, you know, there's just like kind of like the staple craft beer brands that maybe are not LA or maybe from all over the place. And then you've kind of like what you've got at Glendale Tap, which I feel like is really unique, is that blend of local and non-local. And you know that like when you go there, yeah, you're going to be able to find like something really dope from Beachwood or Beachwood Blendery or like some of these cool LA spots. But like some of these, these places like Homage that you can't really see on tap anywhere outside of their tap room. And then the Jester King and the Side Project and some of these really cool breweries that like don't bring their beer into LA. I remember talking to you about this early in the pandemic. So last year sometime where I was like, dude, you're kind of like, I see a brewery come, like enter the LA market through Glendale Tap and maybe through like one or two other places. And then they they test the market and maybe they put more beer in here or that was just like a special drop. And then they'll either come back to GT like once in a while or you start to see them come to like some of the other places around Los Angeles. Like, like they tested the waters with you guys and then like, and then started to move in a little bit deeper. So it's just like, I feel like you guys have, like you've created this reputation where 
you know that you can not just get something good, but like the variety is like all across the board. It's it's like you can find something special there. You know, I think that's the that's the key. That's what I'm trying yeah. to get on. Well, I think I've, what, I've, what I've always said is, is we definitely have a, a focus on all of our friends. Great, like rad, creative. Our buddies are doing great things here in L.A. and Orange County, too. You can't leave out like Green Cheek and Rip. And oh, yeah. Fox project and all these breweries we represent orange county but we've always had kind of like a national like we want like that national feel of like nap not not for gt like oh na national level i'm talking about like have a national beer well, selection you you like, did you did get named one of the best bars in the country right oh the uh craft beer and brewing magazine thing. Yeah. yeah that was so, exciting so don't don't play it down you do have you, you guys are on the radar for a lot of people around the country probably bars and breweries that have gotten recognition like that can say the same thing you they surprise you you know like even when like you guys do your localists you don't go around telling everybody it's just right i think that's the media likes to surprise people and that's yeah. kind of nice it's a little gift you give everybody but um we want to have like a represent like craft beer on a national level oh yeah yeah all the great breweries from around the country at the gt and you know around the world we don't do a ton of belgian and german stuff but i like to bring in some good belgian and german stuff and how do you build the relationships that you have? I think that that's kind of the secret sauce between a, a a buyer that gets what you get versus someone that doesn't is people like you and you've met a bunch of people and you've kind of made friendships. Like, how do you do that? Have you intentionally done that? Or is that just like happened organically? Kind of like how you got into craft in the first place. It's all happened organically. Like, I mean, I love, I, I've met a lot of people folks over the years just at you know like back in the early days all the beer festivals and going to gabf or going to like you know as a you know state going to um cbc and all that stuff but um just developing relationships it's, it's like a mutual thing it's like you gotta like the beer and and they gotta like your, your your spot too so it's like there's gotta be that relationship too and you just hit it off you like their beer you enjoy some of the same stuff and reaching out to people and then like just kind of saying hey you know we should do something and then, yeah and then and that's i think the toughest part of this for beer buyers or general or, or breweries too is like and i've been through i've been through every tier of the business as far as distribution brewery and on this uh, on the uh, uh retail side of you know the bar side or whatever and you can never take anything personally like i, I see people getting really upset when somebody doesn't no, I'm not talking about GT. I'm just talking about in general, when somebody doesn't want to bring their beer in, there's like, Oh, that freaking guy, you know, doesn't want to bring our beer in anything. You know, blah, blah, blah. And like, or vice versa, it'll be accounts that aren't able to get something. And it's just like, I never take anything personal and I've never, you know, I've sold beer for years. So I've been on that side too. Like a lot of times people tend to forget that when they're selling me beer, they're like selling me like blah, 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 blah. all the sales sheets. I'm like, hold on, just give me a can. Let me try it all. I'll try it at home. You know, when I'm home, sometime on a Friday night, it's like, you can't do like robotic sales and craft beer or cookie cutter sales. Like you got to know each person vice versa. Like you got to know, you know, say an owner or a beer buyer is approaching a brewery. You got to know how that brewery works and how they select their accounts or what kind of established save out of you. If they got a limited product and they can only send out so much of it. So it's very relationship based, but it's all about the love of beer and just really having a fondness for people's beer and them having a liking your spot and relationships. But you do see that a lot with like a lot of younger like salespeople or just getting into it or or even maybe like 
newer beer buyers, they take people take stuff personal. But at the end of the day, you can't let business relationships affect your personal relationships. You know, they're like my best friend could have like a brewery here in LA and if their beer's not good, I'm not going to put it on top of the GT, but business, you got to keep business and personal separate, but it's very hard for people to do that. And I get it. It's not like the snobbery where it has to be like the best in the world. That's what a lot of people don't understand. The consumers are going to come in and it's not like, that's another thing that's changed from 2011 to 2021 <laughs> is that consumers are choosing what they want now. Like back in 2011, people come to pub bar, what's on tap? What should I drink? What's the greatest beer? They drink whatever you put in their hand. They saw you were passionate about it. Now people will drink what you offer them, but people come in more knowing what they want. Like I want hazy IPAs. Oh, what's your hoppiest? Like what's extremely dry, hot, juicy, hazy IPA, or, or I want a really nice stout, or I just want this, I want a really crisp lager. And if you don't give them like the best you have on selection, they're not going to come back because people are savvy now. So it's like a lot of times it's not even like an establishment, whether it's a bottle shop or a bar being, it's not like snobbery or anything like that. It's just that the buyer knows on this end, if you're going to put something on, it's not going to sell because there's all these other beers on draft that people are going to gravitate towards mm -hmm. because that beer is not really ready to be in that category. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all. That's all it is. And because nobody wants a beer on their lines for like three months. Right. And yeah. having to dump it and lose product. If something's going on draft that is not going to be at the level of the other beers on there, people aren't going to, they're going to pass it up. Yeah. You know? Well, I think and, it, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's the answering the question at all, always for every beer at all times for every tap. Why does this exist? Yeah. You know, like why do I, why should I care about this? Like a brewery has to answer that at all times. And, a beer buyer and a beer bar a retailer it's their job to help them answer it but then like you said there's other establishments like say there's a neighborhood restaurant where you got like more casual beer drinkers this you know like middle-aged couple going out that aren't they're more like a wine drinker and it's like oh we like beer we want to try something and they try something that maybe one of the beer geek establishments don't have on but it works well at the restaurant yeah it depends so on the venue yeah you got to know your accounts. There's something yeah. for everybody. I mean, now it's tough because of COVID, especially with draft beer right. for these salespeople, but something for everybody. Yeah, we get a lot of beer geeks, but we also get a lot of younger people, like 20, 30 somethings coming in and wanting to try all the cool new shit. It's probably like 20% of our clientele is coming in, like, what smoothie sours do you have? What smoothie sours? And like, there's these, these kids, they're like how people dove in, like, four years ago they got started with hazy ipas there's a whole new brand of consumer game there starts on smoothie sours it's crazy right. and like or what was it last week this guy was like you know he was drinking all kinds of other stuff too he was drinking ipas and he had some water he's like i just feel like a milkshake ipa right now what milkshake ipa do you have on draft i go oh i actually don't have a milkshake ipa on draft. i have like <laughs> some stuff in cans but it's just like i think people are creatures of variety and then For there's sure. some people that are just really into a certain style yeah. And so you got a piece to everybody. And same thing with the old school consumers. Like a week or two ago, like if I don't have any Belgian ales on sale, and I will, like I'll, I'll usually have a good like classic Saison DuPont or something. But it was just like right now with the pandemic, breweries are just starting to get stuff back on draft or in the kegs. So all cans for months, you know, I think it was week I didn't have a Belgian on draft, like a classic Saison or a Belgian blonde ale or something. This girl's like, what? You have no Belgian ales on tap? And I had a bottle of like a great Trappist brew and I gave her that and she was excited about it. But I wanted to hit on the foodie aspect of the GT because I, I feel like that stands out 
so much in COVID world where every bar brewery has to have an on-site dining option. You've been doing this pop-up food thing for way longer than that. Like I've had some great food spots and I feel like some like of the hype pop-up food burger spots and things like that, fried chicken spots have like kind of like gotten some of their starts over at the GT before they blow, like blew up really big. So where does that come from? Are you like a foodie personally? I've always been a foodie like at heart. Remember when LA Weekly was popular and you could yeah. find it on every like newsstand corner? I used to love that thing. We come out on Thursdays, I go to like my local like coffee shop and just go to what movies do I wanna see? What concerts do I wanna go to? Jonathan Gold's 100. That was like the Bible, right? Yeah. So yeah, I've always been in, you know, really in a foodie. But yeah, I think it was, we were doing pop-ups on and off when I started, but it was more like, you know, here and there, do something fun. And I'm like, you know what? Like, we need food here. Like, we need food here all the time. People want to eat. You know, they, they eat, they won't get super buzzed. They'll be able to, you know. They can order another pint. Their, yeah, you can stay. Yeah, like they'll be able to maintain their selves a little better, you know, or, or they won't get you sit there and get drunk off two or three pints you know this isn't just like this isn't just like bar food that like helps sustain people like you're bringing in places that i mean i'm sure you're seeing this you're getting people coming to the gt more for the food sometimes than the beer like you've seen that right yeah yeah definitely we do get a number of people coming because of the food pop-ups we're having and a lot of what's so cool is just hand in hand usually now our side of the food following, a lot of it's our regular beer customers going, fuck, I saw that. Damn, I gotta get over there and have that. I saw your Instagram this morning. <laughs> wow, but a lot of it is, you know, some of it's new faces that the pop-ups are bringing in. Yeah. And then they're like, wow, you have such a cool beer list. And <laughs> you know, they're diving into sours. And just when we had the side project thing this past weekend, everybody's like, Man, these are some of the best saisons I've ever had. And like, just that yeast, side project just has that like yeast quality. That was very like dry, like, Belgian like spicy yeast quality or barrel saisons but yeah so we are getting a lot of new eyes from the food pop-ups uh, it got kind of started actually we were messing around with it then kind of what really helped kind of push us through for that was burgers never say die when we had them there they kind of like right one of the guys like was in the craft beer and he came and saw the spies like hey can we start doing a pop-up beer because they were doing it in their backyard i guess their neighbors complained or mm -hmm. turned them in or something and they needed a spot so that blew us up as far as that and then after that we just kind of started scheduling all these cool pop-ups i do that all myself at the beginning of the pandemic i i felt like i had a little more time because you know it was just to go only but i'm doing all like the social media and all the pop-up scheduling and all the beer buying and pretty much there all the time it's well, i think like it, day, i think at most one day places, home a week <laughs> at, at most places nowadays especially like you have to have food so like somebody behind the scenes is doing some scheduling of food trucks like so now it's just like become a thing because it has to be but yeah. like when i look at the gt i almost look at like your food pop-ups curated the same way you curate your tap list and your 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 retail can and bottle list and so i think of it when i see it i think of it as like a special thing it's just i think it, it sets you guys apart it's really cool it kind of makes sense that you say that because i never really thought about it that way i just kind of did it like oh this probably looks great or somebody contacted me i'm like yeah that looks good and like oh that will work and it kind of has become that we're like oh wow that would go great or that looks great or that that you know it's got to be at this certain level you know because same thing with pop-ups is the beer we've had some pop-ups at 
we want to give a shot to they're like just cool people and the food and with the pub it's like the food's not bad it, you know like it's just somebody that doesn't market their stuff or they have like 150 followers on instagram i'm like right. i don't know i know they don't have a following but so yeah. so i'm gonna have to bring everybody into this and right. they're they're used to doing like catering gigs yeah. And they're not used to pop up. There's a place for everybody, but it's just, there's so much of it these days. There's two things. You have to have a great product and you have to have really good marketing. Yep. yep. And you have you know, at least passable photos. Yeah, yeah. Might, <laughs> yeah, might have gotten better. <laughs> we were just talking about that. <laughs> Get the iPhone 12 Pro Max, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll yeah, man, that's awesome. So as we, we kind of start wrapping it up here, you know, everyone kind of like has asked on every beer podcast ever produced, you know, what do we see coming up? And we're right now, like for the past couple of years, everyone's been like, this smoothie sour thing is really like, what's going on with this? So now I think like in 2021, we're firmly in smoothie sour. Like it's a hype it's, thing. It's real. Like people are into it. It's where hey, I mean hazy IPAs. Right. Were it's it's taken over hazy. Yeah. 18. Even though hazy IPAs are still they're still yeah. Oh, I mean that's yeah the smoothie sour thing's on. So so do you have any thoughts on what's next? Are you just kind of like fuck it? I'm just I'm just trying to go where the puck's going. You know. Where do you really go from here? You know. I think it's like everybody always says like all old school like beer friends or brewers always go oh it's gonna come back around yeah like bloggers came back around like hard like five years ago which is great Uh, we all doesn't love it great like pilsner hellas or stuff like ipas loggers stuff like that staying power they aren't going nowhere but yeah like the whole thing with like i don't know i i I asked myself that a lot too i mean where do you go i mean it's kind of going back i've seen you know what i've seen but this is more on like a more limited kind of like special rarity kind of thing i've seen people do some beers still recently like i saw uh, yeah. like actually homage did one homage. he did a still in the past. and then uh, i saw side project just did people are gonna people are already going crazy over this thing i saw something about that it is like a 20 percent abv still barrel aged stout something like that can't be on like too big of a level because it's really limited like barrel aged stuff but i don't no, I don't think the seltzer thing's gonna stick around forever. I talked to some of my other friends, like in the beverage industry or, or just in, in beer, that have been through it for 20, 30 years, and you know the kombucha thing kind of came and went. But some of these craft breweries are doing some cool seltzers, like the ones they're doing it like with real fruit, like on Talar or even Electric. They've started doing, huh. but they're fad stuff like that. But then the next, it's tough. It seems like we've already been through everything. I mean, where do you go from smoothie sours and pastry stout? And we've already breweries have already the amount of money they're spending on these ingredients that's why they're so expensive True. spending thousands of dollars on coffee and coconut hazelnuts and you know fruit it's just crazy yeah. um, but, but maybe whatever, like whatever it is it can't take more time you know it's what like, i do what it, i do see coming back around more in one in a couple categories though are are non-adjunct barrel-aged stouts and non-adjunct barrel-aged saisons and sour ales yeah that's why i like like a lot of people are, I've talked to have said, I want just a nice like huh. barrel aged sit on. That's why you see a lot of stuff, even though like, like side project, they do a ton of like, and Jester King, those guys do a ton of like non-fruited barrel aged saisons and sour ales, wild ales. Homage has done some that people have been some of their most popular, Celador, um, another one of our great LA breweries. And with stouts, so that's why some of the most popular stouts, barrel aged stouts in the country right now are blends. 
a mm-hmm. non-adjunctive because you know how it is. I love coconut. I love vanilla, but I can only do so much. Right. And then you get like coconuted out and you're like, I just want to taste the barrel. I want to taste the bourbon character. I want to taste that Zinfandel character that was in that wine barrel that was supposed yeah. to be expressed. So I, I do see that. You're going to see a lot more of that coming back around. That's non-fruited cool. and non-adjunct barrel aged sours and stuff. I'm down for that. <laughs> we'll see. I like it. I like it. Before we head out, the whole reason for jumping on this thing, we're collabing on the hot box. We're doing yeah, a special Glendale tap version. You and I sat down and uh, curated this thing together. So what are your thoughts on this thing? What do you think it's going to be like? I'm excited about it because it's very diverse. Yeah. I don't know. On your first one, was it all IPAs mostly? Or? No, it had a few other. It wasn't as diverse as this. It was also all L.A., and I like the fact that we brought in a couple non-LA because I feel like what we were talking about earlier, like that's the essence of the Glendale tap to me. Like you yeah. have access to some like really cool stuff outside LA. And I feel like that's a important selling point to the craft beer consumer in 2021, where a lot of the LA beers are ex- very accessible. So this is like, Hey, here's something a little extra special. So for me, that's why I like it. But like, why do you think people would would enjoy it? Why do you think they should buy it? I think, yeah, that too. I think the diversity of the breweries in there and the diversity of the beers. I think we did. I think it ended up being real cool. You know, we got Tembo Pills, like great hoppy pills in there. We got uh, from Highland Park. We got uh, Mumford. He's doing uh, Rolling Blackout, that uh, American style with vanilla and coffee. Then we're probably going to end up, I I don't know, Humble Sea, we got a, We'll know by the time this fight airs what what beer's gonna be in there, but probably gonna be a hazy, you know, foggy. Yeah, can't do the hazy. It's a foggy, <laughs> or who knows? Maybe we'll do something else. But then we got that cool collab with Moxa with uh, Slice and Urban Roots, a yeah. hazy double IPA. And then you got Homage is gonna do something really cool. There's like one or two beers, but it's not gonna be a lager or an IPA. It's gonna be probably one of their uh either the table beer or one of their saison. And then we got that cool blueberry acai sour from Long Beach Beer Lab and uh Hop Saint IPA, Beachwood Super I mean there's super such I like the diversity of it. Yeah. It's gonna be fun because you're gonna have a couple light hoppy beers, you're gonna have some IPAs, you're gonna have sour and you're gonna have a stout. I think when we taste these, we'll, we'll do it kind of in a progression. I'm excited that's how, that's how I drink. I drink from light to dark yeah. or light to lower ABV to higher ABV. <laughs> yeah. I think the tasting is, is what I'm looking forward to most. That, that should be really fun. I'm excited about it, but you do. It does kind of speak to being a GT collab because we're very, our line top lineup super diverse and super diverse box. And that's, yeah. that's why I like. Yeah. Variety. Awesome. And that's what, what makes it fun, you know? Yeah, totally. I'm super Thanks excited. for Thanks for uh, inviting us for that. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. it should be a really good time. Looking forward to it. All right, man. Well, so last thoughts for you. I'm going to turn it over to you. What are your thoughts? What do you got? What do you want to tell the craft beer drinker in Los Angeles? What do you have coming up? What do you What do you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, we're doing this hot box with Gary and Hopped LA. It's going to be a lot of fun. They're having the, you know, pick up on, what is it, March 13th? 13th yeah saturday yeah um so keep an eye out for that if you pre-order yours and we're gonna have for people that pre-order them we're gonna do like a we gotta figure it out some a discount on beer purchases that day to go and it's gonna be fully socially distanced obviously the pickup will be in the store part in the front will be the outdoor tables for if people want to have some a good food pop-up too 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do that day. I'll have to check the schedule. We have yeah. some. And then just down the road, I don't know. We have to right now. It's like you can't really plan anything too much right now. For now, until things open back up regularly down later in the year, maybe have some special beers like we did with, you know, Jester King and Side Project. Bring in maybe a handful of beers on draft and just have a cool pop-up and just do our six, seven tables socially distance up outside and be able to come eat some great food and have some great beer. If you want to take it home, you know, we got a lot of good beer to go at our, we're calling our bottle shop now, which is where the bar used to be inside or is still, but can't be used as that right now. Um, and that's not going away. We're going to keep the bottle shop. It's actually going to expand and we're going to probably move it to the back. So in the same building complex. And I don't know, we should talk about definitely, you know, I was thinking about today, Probably on your mind too we should talk about doing that hazy ipa festival again because i know we we're you wanted to do it again last year but then covid hit yeah i almost forgot about that yeah that was really fun we'll but i mean it would have to be socially distance friendly thing if it was yeah. planned hour where you do it over the course of a few days and do like reservations or something mm-hmm. but yeah we should we're talking you about know what I, I actually just bought the uh bistro double ipa fest to go box Ooh, i didn't and- even know they did yeah, they did one this year, and they have, like, a scoring sheet in it and everything. So uh, I'm going to play oh, around cool. with that and see if like, that may be some a format that we can get inspired yeah, by. Yeah, that'd be fun. Did they do that during, or, like, you got to buy that before they judged the beers, or it was after they announced the winners and all that? It was before. Cool. So you just got to judge some of these at home. What did they pick their oh, favorite? No, 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 no. So you bought it before, and then mm-hmm. it, ju- it shipped after the judging. Okay. So but I think they didn't I, know who was going to win. So it was just kind of random. Yeah. So Where it's kind of like, random. You don't get all the beers. You It's yeah. like a kind of a random selection. So I have like a few of the winners and then a bunch of other stuff that like I've never heard of. So it's kind of cool. I'm excited for it. Were any so, of the winners in there? Any of the ones that ended up winning? Yeah. So I got the Docent, uh, the one from Docent, the West wow. Cup double. Yeah. Um, congrats to them. I saw they. And, yeah. Uh, I got a couple of them. And then. So what the, did Moxa win it? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get that beer, unfortunately. I really wanted that. Did he won? He won the the West Coast. Yeah, the West beer? Coast. Yeah, yeah, the West Coast. I'm gonna have to hit Derek up for that. See if he can. He, see yeah, if he he's, he's, he's to gonna rebrew out. it. I saw him say he's gonna yeah. rebrew it. Ooh, all right. Yeah. So uh, I think the people that buy the box get to judge the people's choice. So there's like a voting aspect to it. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and then I mean, obviously just some point this year that'd be fun and just kind of like said expanding it or where you do like 25 socal breweries 20 out-of-state breweries or something yeah sounds dope getting me excited man yeah man definitely (laughs) let's let's keep on that all right man well thank you so much for joining me today really appreciate it everyone go check out glendale tap jimmy you're the man thank you thanks for having me man and uh thanks for being such a big supporter and Love you guys, and we'll always support whatever you guys do over there. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Thanks. Take care. And there we have it, folks. That is the show. Thank you again to Jimmy from the Glendale Tap for joining me on this conversation. Uh, It was great learning his backstory and really what makes the Glendale Tap so unique and so amazing. So please, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoy good beer in Los Angeles, support the Glendale Tap. If you've been there before, you know you need to go back. If you've never been there, this is your call to action to check it out. Also, if you love beer 
in Los Angeles, please support Hopped LA. Pick up a hot box. I've already told you guys all about it. It's really, really cool. Um, or pick up some merch from our merch store. Uh, if we help you discover a brewery, a beer, or anything beer-related at all, please tag us online. It helps. Anything uh, that you can do to show that Hop Delay is helping you find beer uh, really goes a long way towards motivating us to continue to put out great content um, and also letting all the breweries and beer brands in LA know that Hop LA has helped you in the past. Please support your local beer businesses. They need our help more than ever. And always remember to drink indie and drink local. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Peace out.